you have to have the ability to walk away, right? It's just like when you're sitting at the blackjack table and you're up on chips, have the ability to walk away. Not every kid is going to fit you. You're not going to fit every kid, no matter what situation you're at. He may, you know, because of background, because of athletic ability, because of character, because just not checking all the boxes, because of certain psychology exams you might administer, whatever it is, uh, have the ability to walk away, never take that out. Just like when you're going to buy a car, right? Always leave your ability to walk out if you don't like the deal. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Welcome back, or welcome to Up Close in Personnel. I am your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with Rice Football. Whether you're a returning listener or new to the show, thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. This week's episode, we bring in a West Coast flavor with Oregon State's Director of Player Personnel, Derek Ray. Derek cut his teeth at Fresno State on the coaching side before a change in head coach led him to an off-the-field role as Assistant Director of Football Ops. We talk about all the things he's learned throughout his college football journey, his role currently, and how he manages the recruiting department at Oregon State. In our conversation, it's easy to get a feel for just how passionate Derek is about building successful, winning teams. We talk about his approach on everything from his leadership style, to delegating and managing workflow, to evaluating prospects, and even looking at the character fit of prospects you may be recruiting. This one really felt like a clinic on just how to run the show as a DPP, and I really enjoyed this conversation. So before we hit play on this one, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share the show. I appreciate all the support for the podcast, and we've got one more episode in store before the conclusion of season one. So send in all of your questions, suggestions, or feedback by visiting our official website, upcloseinpersonnel.com. Dot com or by emailing us at upcloseimpersonnel at gmail.com. With all that being said, it's time now to bring in our guest, Derek Ray, Director of Player Personnel from Oregon State. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Alex, for having me. Yeah, I know um, COVID's got a lot of negative things and, and uh, there's a lot of things that we can't control. But the thing that I, I kept hearing you say and tell other people is that at the end of the day, everyone's been dealt the same hand. So it's kind of making the best with, with what you're dealt. So how, how are you guys making the most of this? Yeah, I mean, you look around and I mean, and again, everyone has dealt the same hand. and. You know, if you, there's so much negativity out there in the world, whether it be COVID, whether it be, you know, some other things that are going on, the social injustices and stuff. And, you know, you can only think positive about those things. I'm a big, you know, big John Gordon guy. So try to take the positivity out of every situation. And, uh, and that's kind of what we've done. That starts with our head coach and our leadership staff here. Uh, you know, it is the same for everyone. We're going to look at competitive advantages to maybe kind of change our philosophy and, and, you know, do virtual visits and those things and try to stay on the cutting edge, but there are new challenges and it's no different than what we ask our kids to do on a daily basis of when there's adversity in a football game, how are you going to respond? So we got to do, you know, if we're going to say it, we got to live it a little bit too. As far as like, you know, talking about the virtual side, I, I love what y'all are doing with the OSTU content stuff. So just talk about kind of your mindset, like, I mean, this was like, you know, week two of March when everything's really shutting down. And I think it probably started a little bit earlier for you guys than necessarily down here, down south in Texas. But, you know, when did your mind kind of go straight to that mindset and, and uh, you know, kind of gear towards, all right, like this is the new norm, like let's get rolling. Yeah, you know, I, I think when we looked at it, uh, I remember sitting in my head coach's office when we were talking about spring recruiting, like, hey, we need to think about a plan because it's probably going to alter this. We were lucky enough to have about four spring practices in. So while this was going on, I remember driving home, all of a sudden you're hearing the radio, the NBA is canceled, you know, the panic with the Oklahoma City game that happened, everyone leave, you're safe, but leave. Um, and then kind of gearing and then just trying to stay proactive and not being trying to be reactive, right? At the end of the day, just, you know, trying to stay on that front cutting edge and trying to set the standard and not follow behind. Uh, you know, and then at the end of the day, like we get to try a bunch of different new things, you're in the same spot. like. 
you know, there, there's a lot of this, there's no playbook for this. Right. So no one kind of knew what was right. Right. It was like kind of looking around like, Oh, that's cool. What they're doing, or I want to try this, or this is something I've always wanted to do. And, you know, just looking at it like, Hey, how, what is the best way we can do this? If, if we get someone on a computer screen, how can we bring Oregon state in the most positive light to them? And that's kind of just what we tried to do and do them in separate deal and layer it to fit kids importance. You know, if they want campus or if they want to meet with other deans and obviously there were rules that the NCAA had to adjust because you and I both know in the beginning of this and they're like, Hey, uh, coaches can't make zoom calls. And yeah, it's not a call. Kid has to set up the zoom and you're like, Okay, and, well, and only and only one kid per call and X, yeah. Y, and Z. And, and that was that was a pain, you know. But you know, selfishly for us, we're taking a small recruiting class this year. We're going to probably only be at thirteen people total. So yeah. if it's going to happen this year, to be selfish, like I'm glad it happened for us this year. Where next yeah. year it's allowed us to get a head start on a lot of underclassmen because we're going to sign a full class next year. So then, with, with you taking a smaller class. Um, we're not necessarily taking a small class, but we recruit like a very narrow with a narrow scope. We like to say we hunt with a, a rifle, not a shotgun. And so like we were able to get at the time of our offers, we had 60% of our offers on campus before COVID hit. Yeah. Um, with you only taking 12 or so guys, were you able to get most of the like most of your top targets on campus or no? Yeah, I, I, we got a, we got a few. Um, I think it hurt us. You know, we're in some battles with some big guys and we're kind of in that you know, you know, we had year zero, I call year one, year zero with coach Smith and year one was last year, try to, you know, started to turn a corner, had some momentum rolling. Uh, I would like to get some other kids on campus for the second and third time. I'm a firm believer in the saving rule, you know, that, and you know, this too, like yep. get a kid on campus three times, you probably got a really good shot of him, you know, coming there, you know, committing. We had some kids drive up and visit campus themselves, you know, not have any guidance and just kind of walk around Corvallis and, you know, obviously couldn't have contact with them being a dead period, but uh, pretty cool that some kids were willing to do that. And we had, you know, you wish you could have swung a little bit more with visits, but again, it's the same for everyone too. So how, you know, this is the hand that's here, let's make the best and maybe we can bluff our way into this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely the case. And, you know, the cool part in my mind about this whole process is like the fact that you and me are talking and that we've gotten connected and yep. just how, how tight knit, like I feel like the recruiting kind of world and personnel world has become, you know, through all of this. So, I mean, I, I personally, I feel like I've learned so much just by, I mean, you know, we normally would never have this kind of contact. Like I don't recruit the same guys as you. I'm on the other side of the country, but just talk about how cool it is to, I mean, just from a networking standpoint, you know, all of the, you know, clinics that are going on, people just jumping on group Zoom calls and how, I mean, if you're really making the most of this time, like you're using this as a chance to just learn and develop and grow. Yeah, you know, yeah, you hit it right on the head. And I think back and I think you were maybe even on the call too. I, you know, I got asked to speak at one of those first meetings that Austin Thomas had uh, at Baylor and just looking on there and looking at the amount of people who were in recruiting and, you know, there are guys that, you know, I'm not really attached to the SEC much, you know, I'm not from kind of that region or anything. I've been a West Coast guy my whole life, but, you know, just looking at that region and there was, it was come one, come all. And that, what the coolest part about it is, you know, I think like more so in our profession, probably a little bit different than coaches, right? There's very rarely, there's ego. There's not very many egos involved, right? So we had guys and you were on there, I mean, all the way from, you know, the national championship LSU all the way down to, you know, some division three schools, which was really cool just to see and get everyone's full perspective on the deal. And, you know, everyone has their problems that they're going through. And then we've had the ability to connect. I will be honest though, when this is all over, if I don't do a zoom meeting for a while, I'll be okay. Same. <laughs> I, I kind of miss the face-to-face -face interaction uh, for sure. And just w without a mask on, but um, it, it's been a cool deal and, and it, you know, just trying to absorb and learn new things and learn new tricks of the trade. And at the end of the day, you know, look at it like, Hey, it's not what I can, you know, what I can get from someone. Maybe I can help someone, you know, get better and they have questions and that's kind of just how I look at it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know that you've talked about this a couple of times, but you know, this has definitely changed the way you talk to your recruiting staff as well. You know, the guys that work with you and, you know, managing guys remotely is hard. Like it's, it's really difficult. Just kind of talk through, you know, how you adapted with that as far as, you know, interns, assistants, and, you know, cause you obviously head up that department. Um, and that's, that's a big challenge. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, we got a little bit of a two-headed monster. We've got a recruiting coordinator who's a running backs coach, who was a recruiting coordinator at Montana State before that. He was the fullback for Maurice Jones. Drew, he's awesome. Him and I have probably talked to each other on the daily more than we talk to each other's wives, right? Just because, like, it's it's nonstop and it's ever-changing. Um, I, I think the most important thing is a unified front and clear communication so there's clear direction for no one to that's left for interpretation. And, you know, just because we say it a certain way and we might interpret that, a, a, you know, some way, it might be taken 13 different ways. You know, we got a little bit of a smaller staff. We got... Uh, we have a director of social media and ideation. We have a director of graphic design, the director of video technology, uh, two recruiting and personnel assistants. And then we have a director of on-campus recruiting and the director of player development that are kind of all under that umbrella. So, you know, the main thing is there's lots of text messages. You use the app called Slack uh, to manage kind of projects and Monday with those things. Uh, and just trying to have clear communication and open opinions and, and deals like that. Uh, I just think it's important to, to give everyone a voice, lots of Zoom calls, have everyone hear their opinions, hear where they're coming from, and create a kind of consensus, the same thing you would evaluate players that way, where, hey, let's get everyone, 10 guys, all their opinion in this room and find out what you like about this guy. Let's rank them all, come to a consensus, and we're a team, and it's not my decision, it's not their decision, it's our decision to make those things. Yeah, yeah leading with them. I think that's, that's awesome. So kind of jumping right into it, um, you know, every week that I have someone on, we talk about the five, you know, main questions right off the bat. So for you, what makes somebody a good recruiter? Yeah, I just look at it like as far as ranking people who are in this business, um, I think you've got to be two out of the three things, right? Good person, good coach, good recruiter, right? And so what makes the good recruiter? I think first and foremost, you have to have the best interest for kids, right? You have to have a good heart. And then you have to be very meticulous and detailed and um, that would be the second thing, you know, just being being able to grind things out. And in more schools than not, everyone talks about this all the time. Well, if I had Drew Polo on, you know, I could get this guy. And it's like more times than not, 95% of those schools, like it's a grind no more, where, no matter where you're at. Yeah, you have different resources at certain schools, but it's still, you're recruiting against those same schools that have those same resources too. Yeah. Um, so you have to be meticulous, detailed, and relentless in your approach. Have some humility and, and being humble. I think is important too, right? Because as soon as, you know, there's two types of people, those who are, those who are humble and those who are about to be. And you, know, yeah. you think you're there and you think you got it all figured out, then we'll, we'll bring you back down a little bit. We'll yeah. right there. Uh, and then the fourth thing is just, you know, you got to have the ability to relate. And I think all of those top four things are interchangeable in my opinion, uh, because it depends on the kid that you're, that you're going after. And the last thing about it is you have to have the ability to walk away, right? It's just like when you're sitting at the blackjack table and you're up on chips, have the ability to walk away. Not every kid is going to fit you. You're not going to fit every kid, no matter what situation you're at. He may, you know, because of background, because of athletic ability, because of character, because just not checking all the boxes, because of certain psychology exams you might administer, whatever it is. Uh, have the ability to walk away, never take that out. Just like when you're going to buy a car, right? Always leave your ability to walk out if you don't like the deal. I think the last point about being able to walk away, it's confirmation bias at its finest. You know, like, because once you get about a quarter of the way into the process and then you find out some information, you're like, okay, well, I still like him. And you start to rationalize. Like, how, like that's, to me, I think that's the biggest battle, especially when, you're dealing with guys that are recruiting their areas and they want to sign guys out of their areas and then guys that are recruiting their positions. So how do you kind of manage those, uh, those kind of battles? Cause I, those, those happen all the time. It's every year. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty lucky on our staff and I'll be honest, I've never been on a staff that's kind of like his low ego and that starts with our head coach, right? That's kind of how he wants it. Um, as far as like, Hey, it doesn't care about area. We are in area recruiting primarily, but it's not, it's not like, hey, you got to sign this many guys out of your area. And guys don't feel that either. Yeah. So we've been lucky from that sense. There are some, some times where you, run, where you run across that, guys have different opinions. But, again, that's where I come back to the consensus. And if you're, your, your evaluation pipeline should take care of that by getting enough eyes on it from, you know, recruiting assistants, player personnel guys, coordinators, head coach, you know, and just to, the more and more people, I think people are so scared of saying, hey, I want this many people to watch it because I'm afraid of 10 different opinions. Well, I'm the opposite way. Like 
if in anything, all 10 of us feel the same way or we're a little bit different, the different opinions are good because then you might see it a different way. You might learn something. You might, you know, but at the end of the day, if everyone looks at it the same way or comes to that consensus, it's unified. There's no change yeah. in the art. So. It's, it's, a to, it's a total, like, all-in program. So you said pipeline, so I'm sure you use arms, right? I do not. We use Jump Forward. Really? Yeah. really? We've awesome. kind of built our own, built our own uh, custom deal on Jump Forward. We've been with Jump Forward since I've been at Oregon State. Uh, and it's been good for us. It's not automatic, but the one thing that I that I do love about it, because it's not automatic, kids don't get lost, and I read every single note. Yeah. It moves along in the process. I have to manually do it. Well, it forces you to read every single note of why he's moving here, why he's moving there. Exactly, exactly. And and we're kind of the same way as, as far as the pipeline's concerned. I mean, you know, it's the GA or QC of that position. It's a position coach, coordinator, me, head coach, meet as a staff. And, you know, anytime somebody comes in the building, there should be no excuse for somebody not knowing that player's name, not knowing what type of player he is, what type of person he is. So I think that's huge, the, you know, those five points. So then kind of dovetailing off that, in your mind, who are some of the best recruiters that you've been around and why? Oh, gosh. You know, just throughout my career, I've been lucky to be pretty lucky to be around uh, some some great people, great coaches, great leaders. Um, you know, guys that come to mind, you know, there, there's a couple guys on this staff that, um, that, are, that are really, really good and strong. And everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses. Um, one of the best recruiters and the ability to relate to people is Keith Williams. We were together at Fresno State and kind of the group that he put together at receiver, you know, his recruiting pitch was pretty funny to be honest, because we had Derek Carr and he's like, well, you don't just want to come catch the ball from Jesus Christ. And that was his recruiting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it worked. I mean, shoot, he got, you know, four NFL receivers and damn near within, you know, a class and a half, which was pretty cool. Um, He was pretty good. Uh, Pat Hill, the way he kind of detailed things, just coming from that Belichick tree, you know, that Brown staff. And so everyone, that's where I kind of took a lot of this stuff from is just like being how detailed and relentless in the approach and being a good evaluator and what to look for and how, you know, the organization is key because that can separate it. So he was really, really good. He was really our recruiting coordinator um, when he was there as the head coach, Drew Hill, um, who was there and Drew's at Oklahoma. Now Um, I've known him for a long, long time. He got me started in this business. Um, And he's just, you know, he's running personnel for, for Lincoln up there, Norman and, you know, as far as true coaches and recruiters, um, Trent Bray, who's here now, Brian Wozniak, Fence Henson, Michael Petrie, uh, those just come to the mind just initially that are on our staff, just the ability to be chameleons and being able to relate in any situation, which I think is important. So, but our whole staff as a whole does a really, really good job evaluating, relating to kids. Uh, so all of our guys, I feel strongly about. So then as far as like influences on you and kind of your philosophy, you're talking about Pat Hill and, and, and Drew Hill. Talk about kind of what you learned from them, you know, getting started in the industry. Yeah, I just think the, the, the way to evaluate players, um, you know, and what you're kind of looking for, strike length, all those different deals, you know, and even, you know, the just quarterback play and learning, you know, I was lucky to be around Doug Nussmeyer, uh, which was awesome, you know, and just understanding quarterback play in that way and, you know, Pat, just the, the one thing I always took from Pat was just how detailed he was, right? And he never let, never made excuses for what we didn't have when we were there, right? So I never wanted to take that, well, why can't, you know, why can't we recruit him? It's because we don't have this facility or we don't have this this TV or whatever it is. You know, he never wanted to make excuses. Uh, and just his ability to relate, like he could relate to kids like no other, really. He'd go in and he'd be on. I'm so many great stories about him being able to sit down and you'd be like, I can't believe he can relate. Like he looks like Hulk Hogan with the Fu Manchu, but he was really, really good at it. And that's like, he was the, like if kid came on campus, we're going to get him just because if he sat down with Coach Hill. Yeah. Um, So he was learned, learned so much from that guy and drew obviously just kind of the day to day and the happy go lucky approach, but Drew's a really, really good evaluator of, of kids. And also that same being able to relate. And at the end of the day, like this job is so, monotonous and tedious you have to have fun with it and that's one thing drew taught me how to do too is you know this job can be a lot of fun you can have a lot of great conversations and meet a lot of good people yeah and um i don't know if you know mike Scholaton either um yeah so i mean he's he's been awesome you know i've I've learned a ton from him he got me connected to uh 
to Drew at one point. So, uh, you know, just the, the amount of people that have come through Fresno State and gone on to continue to work in personnel is really cool to see. So I like, at the end of the day, it kind of sounds like you you landed in the perfect spot at the perfect time yeah. as a young up and comer. So, I mean, now, now that you're a director and, you know, you've got a lot on your plate, how are you trying to, um, you know, get yourself better? Like what's your process for developing and mastering kind of your craft? Yeah, always sharpening. And, you know, something that my dad always told me when I was growing up is, you know, you're either getting better or getting worse. You never stay the same. Right. And so, you know, I kind of just look at it. If some, if I'm not working, probably someone else is. Um, and, and that could be a number of different ways of how we're trying to sharpen. I would like to do some professional development this year, um, but just keeping in touch with guys and kind of, hey, you know, floating ideas out there. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? And, you know, what do you think of this? Have you ever tried this? You know, at the end of the day, the evaluation aspect, not to, I mean, it's relatively easy, right? We're all looking at the same guys, right? It's just now can they fit in your program? And that's more of the, the little bit of the salesmanship and the recruitability of guys. And so just being, how can we get that next edge, right? The slight edge, big, you know, that book, I love that book. Yeah. We talked about, you know, what can put us over the top that maybe someone else is not doing to give us that little bit more of a competitive advantage. So I'm always looking for that next thing, whether it be anthropometrics, uh, the psychological evaluations, you know, the character and disc assessments, always looking for whatever that next thing is that might be able to put us over the top. But at the same time, staying current with what we currently have that's do, that's working as well. Yeah. What I'm getting out of this is you're a big reader. I like to read. Uh, I also, you know, study different things and, um, yeah, just kind of look into it and whatever can give me a competitive advantage. At the end of the day, I just want to win. That's all I want to do. So what have you been reading during COVID? Uh, a lot of Navy SEAL stuff. Okay. Leadership and expertise, uh, Navy SEALs, um, a lot of stuff on SEAL Team 6, just different stuff. I like to like short snippets, uh, read a couple pages. Um, obviously, there's no sports on, so. Um, but enjoy just kind of reading different journals and those things and entries and experiences. Cause I do think there's just so much we can learn off of experiences. Yeah. So then, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you get this. Maybe you got this a lot when you were younger, uh, people mispronouncing Ray as a last name. Yeah. Uh, is it, what's, what's the, what's the background? Like what's, what's the ethnicity wise? Like, yeah. So, so my dad's from Hawaii. My mom okay. is from so I'm second generation American on both sides, right? Because my grandparents weren't citizens until the U.S. until the U.S. you know kind of took Hawaii, right? And then on my mother's side, they're all from England, and they crossed in between World War One and World War Two. So they couldn't be further apart, really, in the world. And my parents met in the Bay Area, so Hawaiian, a uh, little bit of Filipino, and uh, and. English, American, white, whatever you want to mix. Have you, have you been to both? Have you been to both Hawaii and England? I have not been to England. Uh, you, I, so I, I went like, this is Y2K and the world was supposed to end. Um, clearly it didn't. But um, you got to go. It's, it's, it's really nice. I, I wanted to go. Europe really just doesn't, I don't really have much interest in Europe. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just, I just don't. It's like something about no ice and drinks or things, but it's like, yeah, I'm cool. I'd rather just be on, you know, for the two weeks we get to get off in July, put me on a beach somewhere, put a drink in my hand. I'll be okay. That, that's the way my wife is. And honestly, like I went when I was like six or seven years old. So who knows if I'd enjoy as much as I did then. So uh, just talk us through your story from kind of start to where you are now and, you know, what got you into recruiting? How'd you start? And, um, you know, kind of going from Fresno state to now being in Oregon state. Yeah, I tried to walk on when I was at Fresno State, um, and they said, you're a bad player. Um, and Coach Hill, <laughs> Coach Hill sold me on the, hey, you know, Lane Kiffin kind of did the same thing. He's up there in the box, you know, getting a head start on his coaching career. And I was like, but my dad didn't invent the Tampa 2. Like, I got no chance at getting that far ahead. <laughs> um, but I was lucky. He let me be a sponge on the wall and just sit in everything. There is not one meeting I wasn't allowed in, uh, which was awesome. And I remember, you know, just starting as a student coach, um, then GA and then when we GA, uh, we got we all got fired in 2011. Tim DeRuder came in, uh, got lucky enough to be retained. He's like, hey, you know, I don't have a spot for you on the coaching side, but you can work in ops and personnel if you want, and we'll see what happens. Well, three months later, I got promoted to, to be a full time uh, position after you know covering for Drew once Drew left. Um, was lucky enough to be there. He's like, hey, you got to finish your masters, but then you you know this is. Just, 
people have full-time uh, position for you and finished my master's, had a full-time job. And then I got up to Oregon State in 2000, at the end of 2014, when Gary Anderson took the job. Came in as the assistant director of player personnel, uh, moved to a director of on-campus recruiting. Then after I was done with on-campus recruiting, um, we, uh, Gary had left here and Coach Smith came in, Jonathan Smith from Washington. Got retained there again, kind of got moved to the director of recruiting to where they saw it as director of player personnel and director of recruiting are the same. Vince Ginta left in January this year. He went to Baylor. They moved me to the director of player personnel. We're in the middle of restructuring our department to where it's just a one head. Um, and then kind of had some echoing from a coach as well. So, you know, I, I've been lucky to be in the right situation at the right time and be betting on the right number on the roulette wheel for sure. <laughs> when you got started and you were coaching and then you, I saw you, you did like some sort of internship with uh, Saskatchewan. And yep. was there any point in time where you were like, hey, maybe I can do this coaching thing? Or did you know early on that you wanted to go personnel? No, I, I actually never. If you would have asked me probably 10 years ago, you know, when I was in the middle of the coaching deal, and you would have told me that, hey, you're going to be off the field, your personnel would be like, hell no. Like, there's no way. Uh, I wanted to coach, and that's kind of where my passion is. I still enjoy it. Like, I'll still go and pop in position meetings and just listen to it and get my, get my football fix. As you know, like being on the – the admin side, like everyone's like, oh God, that job looks so awesome, right? You get to watch film the whole day. You get to do this. And it's like, that's like 10% of my day. Like the other yep. stuff is managing people, putting out fires, uh, making sure everyone else is, is operating smoothly. So, you know, if I need a little football fix, I'll do that. But I'm lucky. I work for a great head coach now and uh, life, life is good in, in that aspect and blessed to be in the situation I am for sure. Uh, talk about the, so you know, you, you said you got bumped up to full-time and you glossed over it, but you know, you were assistant DFO and assistant DFO for those that don't know, like you you are literally putting out fires like every single yeah. day and your hands are in everything from, you know, setting up meals to helping practice, you know, dealing with alumni to recruiting visits. So just talk about the, the, I think there's so much of a benefit of having exposure to the upside uh, before you get into a managerial spot in recruiting, because, you know, to be honest, like if you just jump straight into being at the top of the food chain with, you know, official visits, with unofficial visits, with junior days, um, it gets really hard to plan out these events, uh, even if you're not the recruiting coordinator. So like, just talk about the benefit that you had of going through being in ops before you got to the role you're in now. Yeah, I think the one thing that Fresno always taught me, you know, just being on those roles is, you know, I was lucky enough to oversee all of our team travel too. So I had all of our team travel, you know, being an assistant and that, you know, 21 years old managing, you know, $100,000 contracts at different places, a little bit, little bit stressful, but I learned so much from that um, just going through all of it, but it taught me how to stretch a dollar, right? I mean, we, we could go through budget stories, but I remember our budget one year, we only had like $5 for a, uh, pregame dinner on home games, you know, so we had to be creative. We only had our dinner budget was $19 for dinner, uh, like $15 for lunch and $12 for breakfast at a hotel. So I remember that first year we're like, okay, well, hopefully we get a few morning games so we can put it in the budget that we're going to have all three of these meals, but maybe we can stretch it a little bit. So it's just doing that stuff and itemizing everything and uh, just taught me really how to be detailed, right? Because yeah. if you're a little number off or whatever and, especially when how to, how to stretch a budget to where the players didn't see it, but there are those issues. And I probably got a little gray hair, uh, a little prematurely, uh, but that's okay. But it, it, just, it did teach me so much. And we didn't have a recruiting coordinator there or anything. Uh, so when it came to official visits and managing all that stuff, it, it was mine too. But I mean, we did, we did what we had to, right, to make it through to where players didn't notice. And um, there, there's a lot of good stories though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I just kind of skipping ahead a little bit. When you got to Oregon State, you got there as Gary Anderson was there. Clearly, he's a good coach. Like, he's won at Utah State. He's back there. and He's doing well. So my question to you would be, what, what were things that you learned from Gary Anderson that you kept with you? And, and what are some things that you, that you noticed that, you know, maybe Coach Smith is doing differently to where, you know, that year one, not year zero that you talked about, but year one, y'all were able to get the five that's the real key, right? Like, you know, when you're turning the program around, yeah, you got to bring in the right talent and, and bring in the right culture. 
but it's elusive. Like, like winning is really elusive. Like learning how to win is, is definitely a trait. Like you got to get better and better to develop to the process of getting there. Right. So what, what about coach Smith has allowed you guys to kind of take that next step? And what are some things that you learned from coach Anderson? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, coach Smith is awesome just with how cerebral he is, right. And being able to think through situations and, and kind of take them for what they are. The other thing, the advantage he has is, you know, he's got a great story, was a walk-on, beat out a bunch of guys to become the starter, was the starter here when they had their most successful run, uh, worked under, you know, played under two great guys, worked under some great people between, you know, Coach Riley and Erickson, and, you know, obviously Chris Peterson, um, you know, just so many guys and his experiences and what he's had. And, you know, I think that the best quality that he has is how good of a leader he is. And when I say that, like, I think people so many times equate leadership to power, right? And it's not necessarily that, like, how he is to talk to people and to relate and to, you know, understand and kind of explain it. He doesn't micromanage. Um, he kind of lets you run with it. And if it's kind of not to what he sees, you know, he'll kind of ask your explanation of it and see it. Okay, I'll understand. And, you know, doesn't micromanage. Um, but I think the other thing is he's in the business of taking care of people. Um, and so, Players respect that and they can see that. And, you know, he knows this experience of what it can look like here. And um, that helps him too. Uh, but he, more importantly, he's just a good person, right? And there's a really, really good person who can make a good head coach, in my opinion. Yeah. And and the not micromanaging part, that's such a weight off your shoulder. You feel like you can actually like think creatively and just yeah. do the job. And then as far as like your other question from, you know, I think no matter who you work for, I think you you look at things and you're like, okay, I would do this. These are good things. These are bad things. These are maybe not so good things. Then you may understand later why they got done a certain way. Um, you know, I, I think with coach A, you know, I've learned a bunch from him as well and just kind of how to be a pro and how to look at different things and uh, evaluate for sure. And, um, but I, I think there's strengths and weaknesses, no matter who you work for, what you, what you learn and what you take away from that. And that's where yeah. I think, like experiences guide you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know when that whole transition happened, um, not just from, you know, Coach Anderson to, you know, Coach Smith, but even going back to when Coach DeRuiter took over at Fresno State, you've had a chance to deal with coaching turnover multiple times. I've been in that position as well back when I was at Houston. So just talk about like, I mean, from a sports staff side, what do you got to do to make sure that you do a good job and, you know, maximize your opportunity to stay somewhere. Because I think a lot of times it's easy to get that mindset of like, oh, this is a sinking ship. All right, I'm deuces out of here. Um, you know, and really being like, okay, you know what? Like, hey, we may be getting fired, but I'm going to do the best job possible. And I'm going to add value to whoever's here to just make this program better. And if they want to keep me cool, they don't cool. Like, what was your approach when, when you were dealt those, those different situations? Yeah, I just think, I think you take it day by day and you can't think too far ahead. Uh, I always joke around with Coach Smith. We have this uh, coffee machine uh, in our in our deal and it's a big Starbucks elaborate. I mean, it's a little complicated and uh, it, it broke like one of his first days he was in the office. And so he's asking people for help and I knew how to fix it. And so I always joke around with him. Like if it wasn't for me knowing how to, knowing how to fix the coffee machine, that's the only reason I got kept down. Uh, he, you know, always laughs and to put light on the situation, but I don't know if there's necessarily like an explanation, like you're the best person for the job. I think a lot of timing has to fall right too. Uh, you know, who knows, like, you know, but at the end of the day, you put your head down and go to work and grind it out and show people what you're capable of. And hopefully you've had a good enough run at the place currently to when they're talking to other people they know and, you know, network and you never know who you're going to cross paths with or who's going to come in here, or, you know, whatever. So treat everyone the same way and, you know, if it happened, everything's meant to be what's going to happen. So if it's meant to be, it will happen. If it's not, there probably means there's something better on the horizon for you. Yeah. But yeah, that's, but yeah that's, I've been lucky. I've been two for two. Um, I can't explain why. And in both times, I, I was lucky enough just to get moved up too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk about your current role. Um, you know, you're director of player personnel now. I know that evaluating something that you're pretty passionate about. So um, talk about what that role looks like for you and kind of where you're at right now. Yeah, um, work work with a great, great group of people. Um, 
can't stress that enough. And, you know, we're all a team here. It doesn't matter what titles are. There are no pecking orders here. Um, you know, first name basis with all of our coaches. It's not like everyone, hey, address me as coach, whatever. You know, it's not that. Like, nicknames, whatever, have fun. We're a pretty tight-knit group, and I think that's one of the advantages that Corvallis offers um, just because, you know, it's a 10-minute town. Um, it's small, and so it's easy to, you know, you're hanging out with your other staff members. Um, as far as kind of like my day-to-day, -day, you know, I oversee all the personnel in the recruiting process. Um, we've got great people that are in our, in our department that I get the pleasure to work with um, and help, you know, make their lives easier. Tell them all the time, how can I make your life easier? Like, how, what, if, what are you hung up on? How can I help you, you know, get unhung? And then how can I make your life run a little bit smoother? And if they're operating smoothly, I'm operating smoothly. Because at the end of the day, I'm, all, you know, I'm only as good as everyone who's, you know, who, who's around us. So in everything, we're one big team. We're all a reflection together. If one fails, we all fail. We preach that the whole time. But how can I help their life operate smoothly? And whether that's from graphics, whether that's from videos, whether that's from social media or evaluations or dealing with coaches or coaches on the road or whatever it is, you know, how, how can we eliminate fires before they become explosions, really? I, I love the way you, you put it, you know, as far as, you know, you're dealing with graphics, you're dealing with videos, you're dealing with, you know, recruiting communication, the evaluation process. It's like your hand is in everything. The phrase or the metaphor I always use is you're the point guard of the team, right? Like you're not scoring any points. You're just dishing the ball off. So when you're dealing with that on a day to day and obviously now COVID is a little different, but generally speaking, like, you know, what times practice, you know, when your interruptions are, how do you manage, you know, overseeing all these different aspects and components of recruiting? Cause there, there really are multiple components. Cause it's really the identifying, the evaluating, the recruiting and the, you know, the sales piece, the, the closing out of, of players. Yep. So what's your process for, for kind of organizing and managing that on day-to-day -day schedule? Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, looking at, if you had to put a graph on, on deals of, you know, maybe necessarily what is there, you know, a time frame on when it has to be done, how important is it, you know, is it not necessarily important? Can you, can you farm it out to someone and delegate this? And I think one, you have to be comfortable being a delegator in these roles, as you know. Um, and then two, you have to also have the comfortability of being able to trust who you delegate to and not micromanage. Because if you micromanage and you try to do everything, this job will chew you up and spit you out. You'll be miserable. But you have to be comfortable of, you know, doing just assigning different tasks and be, you know, having faith in your team to execute those to the fullest ability and though it might not be your way or the way you're going to do it, as long as it's satisfactory, you know, then you're, you're fine. But uh, if you have to make corrections and make corrections in the positive way and go from there. Yeah. You got to let people, you got to let them loose, you know, like you can't like try to guide them every step of the way. No doubt. No doubt. So, so you know, I, I like to try to keep things a little current, you know, as far as like what we talk about. So, um, obviously we just had, you know, the offer letters, they've all been sent out, but September 1st, we'll be able to start hitting up the 22 class and juniors. Just talk about, um, kind of your mindset and approach. Cause I know that like when it comes to evaluating seniors, so guys that are entering their last year, that's really when you're like, okay, this is what the player is coming out of high school. But when you're dealing with sophomores that are turning their juniors, you know, guys are still growing, guys are still developing, like Justin Jefferson, for instance you know, runs a 488 as a high school junior and turns around, you know, four years later at the NFL Combine runs a 444. So there's so much body growth, body changes, you know, on-field development. Talk about kind of like the approach and mindset, not only from the evaluating side, but really the projecting side when you're looking at these talents and these guys that, you know, you may not know what they're going to be a year from now, but you're trying to get on them early. Yeah, um, good question. And I think there's a couple answers to it. One, and I'll start just kind of on the projecting and the, and the measurement side. I think at the end of the day, you want to recruit kids and guys who have traits, right? Whatever those traits are. Um, you know, people talk all about all the time of track speed and long speed and all those things. And, you know, we look for verified information. So not just, you know, hey, I did run this or this is, you know, an objective or subjective time. Uh, this is what it is and this is what the measurement is. The other thing is anytime we get kids on campus, we'll put them through, you know, a little minor medical screening that the NCAA allows and being able to take different measurements and, 
I told you I was big on the anthropometric stuff and just looking at what a kid's, you know, hand, wing, uh, tibia, knee circumference, all that stuff is. And then you can at least project a little bit of what the kid's length and percentile that he's going to fall into in what category. So at certain positions that helps you more than others. I'm obviously receiver. That's not a huge deal for, but it might be huge if you're looking at tackles, which on the West coast tackles are, you know, like leprechauns, you very rarely see them. Uh, but when you do find them, you find a pot of gold. Um, so There's I just, no doubt about that. I love that. Um, I, I just think like that's so important just, and that's where I talk about all the time. Like, you know, what is, what is the other edge you can do? And then the other stuff, you know, when you're going to evaluate kids is you're constantly, just because you may have offered a kid doesn't mean the evaluation has stopped. Right. And that's where we talked about, you know, earlier being able to walk away from it as well, you know, and and if you have to get out of it, get out of it. But, you know, the evaluation doesn't stop on his character. The evaluation doesn't stop on his play. The evaluation doesn't necessarily stop on, uh, on anything else on background or whatever may come across and, you're constantly evaluating, even though you're also recruiting. If that yeah, happens. no, yeah. no, it does. And, and um, you know, we, we've got, you know, guys on our staff that are, you know, digging through social media profiles and just talk about how much you can learn about a kid just literally off his Twitter. Yep. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's all painting a picture, right? And, you know, maybe right now, especially in these times, a guidance counselor might not be as accessible, but, you know, who is as accessible as their social media profile. And there, there's a statement I heard, you know, our head coach talks about this all the time, which is, you know, if you listen closely enough, kids will tell you who they are. What, what he's meaning by that is, you know, that just like what Coach Hill used to say is your actions are speaking so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying, right? You can just dig into that enough just to kind of see, okay, it's all painting a picture, right? 20% here, the here, here, and you're going to get a, a view for what there is. Let's run this report and see. And yeah, that's probably who the kid is. And then, you know, right now, obviously, we're kind of in the air and by the time this podcast actually releases, we'll have a better idea of what's actually going on. The NCAA is meeting today, board of governors, um, trying to find out what's going to look like this fall. Um, but under normal circumstances, assuming that we had, you know, a regular fall camp, um, what's your process look like from a day to day, you know, watching practice and really staying current and up to date on what your roster looks like and projecting those needs up. Because I think that's such a, I really love August because I feel like you get a clear picture of the incoming guys, all your newcomers, and then you get an update on, okay, this is who is, you know, ascending on our team. And these are the guys who have leveled out. These are the guys who are struggling. You can kind of see like a, it's really like a stock market almost, you know, like, okay, this is, this is where we're at as a team. This is how we need to adapt for our senior, you know, 2021 recruiting. And then this is how we need to approach our 22 because that's really in my mind, when you can first really start to put together a plan for the numbers that you're taking for that junior class. So just talk through kind of what you do during the month of August under normal circumstances. Yeah. Um, I'm our NFL liaison too. So that takes up a good chunk because, you know, we probably have a guy at least a day. Um, so try to make their visit as pleasant as possible because at the end of the day, any guy who goes to the league obviously helps your, our brand and kind of the direction we're going. And I've known, I've been doing that for 10 plus years, known a lot of those guys for a long, long time. So I have no problem being social with them. Um, I like to enjoy, I enjoy watching practice, um, going out there, kind of get a feel for what's on our team. Even though I generally have a good idea, uh, try to meet with our head coach weekly, um, at least once a week, just to kind of talk through personnel, kind of where we are, uh, different guys, where we see it, come to a consensus in that aspect. And obviously there's still recruiting and evaluation um, standpoint. So coaches are doing, you know, so much from a football related uh, position meeting wise or, you know, team meeting or different deals. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to get a head start and evaluate on the 2022 and 2023 class where guys may have fallen through the cracks and just follow up on guys and where we are in the process. The other thing, um, since coach Smith has been here, we do this accountability group. We call it Beaver Royale. So there's this whole competition during camps and I've been the commissioner of that. Um, and so what this is, is kind of, there's like 10 different events throughout fall camp. Um, they could be everything from a skit that the team has to come up with to everything to uh, basketball dunk contests to different deals. And um, I have a little panel that have associated and assistant commissioners who are in charge and uh, get into it. And there's teams, you know, and they, there's a prize at the end last year, we gave away a pair of the Jordans and came out and, um, gets them going. There's certain rules. They got to eat, you know, dinners with their teammate 
they can't be on a phone during dinner, so they're forced to have interaction. Um, and I can take away a point for whatever the heck I feel like. I can even give out points for whatever the heck I feel like. Um, so that's a money. So everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be your best friend during ball camp. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of booing. I'm, I'm treated like Roger Goodell when I walk down on stage. So I got to present to the team each night, kind of update the standings, um, go over the offenders list, uh, violators as I call, um, go in for the good, the good guys, um, go over what the competition was, maybe preview that competition. Uh, the kids get into it. It's a good time. Makes them laugh. Breaks up the monotony about camp. Uh, there's some bribery that happens, which is good. So, but we run ethically, ethically a uh, royale. E- ethic bribes. Um, no, that's that's awesome stuff. So then, like, kind of going back on it, the scouting side, um, yeah, that's something that I do as well. That's what I did at Houston, and it's such a, a weird year. I mean, I know NFL scouts haven't even been, you know, given full access to decide if they're going to travel. Yep. you know, universities are still trying to decide what they're going to do with visitors on our end, you know, just putting together a prospect list and having all of the, you know, information that's pertinent to their reports and, and being able to talk about them and having had the discussions with, you know, strength coach, medical academics, just talk about what your role looks like as, as liaison this year and how you're adjusting the COVID. Yeah. We're, we're, we're kind of waiting to see what the guidance is from our conference a little bit too. Um, there's going to be some bi-weekly Zoom meetings for sure, maybe weekly, depending upon what the what the requests are. And, you know, because I've had a relationship with a lot of those guys, I know even, you know, they're voting what they can do and can't do soon here uh, up, at, up at their level too. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, it will be different for sure. I know everyone has a different, you know, version of what they think is going to happen in their head. No one really knows, but shoot, either do we. So Yeah. <laughs> You know, how, however, I can make those guys' jobs easier because at the same time, you know, it trickles down. I want to have our coaches to have a great experience when they talk to high school coaches as well. So, want the same thing there. Um, so we'll accommodate in the best of our ability and a lot of Zoom calls in our in our future. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I get so many ideas based on like the conversations I have with scouts. So, oh, that's a great question. Like you're, as the guy's asking you the question, you're like, I need to use this question when I talk to a high school coach. So what are some things that you've taken from being a pro liaison and translated to your, you know, evaluation process? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been blessed to have great relationships with some of those guys, some of those guys who have moved on to be GMs too. Um, so the, the amount of professional development I've been able to do, I've always had a dream to kind of build our uh, a college department, like an NFL department. Um, and when I say that, you know, just, that's where I've learned the consensus stuff. That's where I've learned to, you know, the team having the accountability, responsibilities, clear defined roles, and just kind of the structure and even speaking the same language as much as like, so everyone, when they evaluate a receiver, they're relatively speaking the same language. It's not, you know, a one-off and then you have more consistency and then people can read across and, you know, the same buzzwords, the same keywords, um, structures, tricks, tricks of the trade, certain ways to ask questions when you're face to face with the kid to get the answer that you're looking for certain ways to interview coaches you know when you're doing background checks on kids just certain ways to ask things and you know deliberately and asking the same question repeatedly in different ways to make sure that the answer is the same there's so much uh, mind games to it um, and creative ways to ask those things and you know again tactfully looking for a little bit of an edge in every single thing that we do yeah, absolutely. And a cool little edge that y'all got, you know, with, with last chance you dropping recently is a little bit of Oregon State Pub with with uh, the Wright brothers. Yep. So, um, you know, that was kind of the uh, the thing that I really wanted to talk about topic of the week wise. It's just last chance you in, in transfer recruiting, because I really liked the thing that you said. I don't know what podcast it was on. You were talking somewhere and you were like, you know, at the end of the day, like, we want to get the best players depending on what our needs are. Like if we need exposition and the best player is in the transfer portal and that's going to help us win more games, that's going to be the route I'm going to take. And, you know, it's, it's almost like kind of what you said, you know, the transfer portal has become the, the new age, you know, junior college recruiting, but obviously you guys still recruit, you know, junior colleges. And honestly, like the, the California JUCOs have a lot of talent that gets overlooked a lot. And, um, you know, I kind of just wanted to start there. Like, just talk us through 
how the process is different when you're dealing with transfers and kind of what your mindset is, how do you tack it, and, and really where do you start? Yeah, I mean, the, the transfer portal, I, I call it the waiver wire. Um, so we do the daily update um, of those things and kind of evaluating, the, you know, with our subscription of PFF, uh, having the ability to run those reports and get film with a quick access if a guy pops. Uh, but I think at the more, more so, like this starts from our head coach. And, you know, one of the things he always talks about is, you know, uh, common things in uncommon ways. And so at the same time, you know, we may not have the opportunity to get a kid from, you know, that went to Nebraska or another school, but on the back end, we might be able to get him. So we wouldn't necessarily have the chance to get that kid out of high school. But if he's got three years left, he fills a void. It's the same thing as going to a JC to get a guy. It's the same avenue as getting a really, really good player. And at that time, that might be the right player that fits us at that point. Um, but I think fit is important first and foremost, and then just understanding the reason why they're transferring to and running the, you know, running background, talking to character references and those things. And, you know, there's different, you know, there's a hundred different reasons for kids to transfer. Um, could be a number of different things. Usually it boils down to some sort of playing time or maybe they got in a little bit of trouble. Um, not necessarily the case, but as long as you understand kind of what that rule is and what they're coming from, then you paint a little bit better picture for you. Uh, and there's some risk involved in that too. You know, it's just like anything, right? If you bet big, you, you could lose big too. Um, but we've had, we've had good luck on the transfer portal thus far. So, and it will be continue to be an avenue as this goes on that I think we'll succeed at. So like, and, and everybody's different, but you know, I mean, how, how deep are you going um, when you're, when you're, going through the why because everyone uh, i like to think of reality isn't what actually happens to you it's the story you tell yourself about what happened to you right so everybody's going to have a different line sometimes you know if you're dealing with coaches they'll speak the company line right the players say something different so how do you go about kind of vetting out those sources of information when uh sometimes you're on the other side of a phone it's, it's not as easy as you know going out on the road and seeing these people and having a face-to-face -face interaction, seeing how they respond when you ask the question. Um, I, I really think that in our roles for you and for me as in recruiting and personnel, like we have to be like the best phone interviewers possible, right? To, to really pull out all the information. So how deep are you going and, and how do you really vet out that information? Yeah, no, I think that uh, is, is the more people you talk to, the better that have close relationships. And when you talked about like the six degrees of separation away, they have to be in that first circle of separation, right? Have a close personal relationship with that individual, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, and so when we talked about like kind of building it off the NFL, like well, when an NFL comes in, you know, they talk to an academic person, like for us in high school, that's a guidance counselor, right? You know, the equipment guy necessarily, right? All those people that they have day-to-day -day interactions with that really know that kid differently than what he is on the field. Uh, I think it's important just to paint that picture. So as many people that we can talk to and dive into, we will. Um, a lot of times it depends on the school you're going to and who you have a relationship with as well. You know, you, you one of your best friends might be on a different staff. Well, you're going to value his opinion differently than you would for someone that you may have just met, obviously, right? And you might also at the same, for someone I just met, I might not be as forthcoming and honest with, you know, someone I've known for 10 years. So there's, there's a grain of salt that way and being able to take it. But I think the more and more people that you talk to, the more of a consensus gets built. Um, and it has the ability to paint you a better picture and understand that kid. Yeah, and, and asking open-ended questions, like ones that just leave it hanging. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Asking, and don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. We, yeah. all, have the, we all have the same questions. Does he love football, you know? Drugs I, I've, 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 said, I've said this a bunch of times. Like, I really hate that question. Like, the, does he love football? Because if, if I'm asking the right lead up questions, I should know by the time I get to that one. For sure. And the, it's ambiguous, right? But I think at the baseline, those, that one has to be answered. Yes. Right. And it could be a makeup of four different questions that give you the answer to that one. But you have to, as a, as a recruiting coach, as the guy coming to bat from the table, you have to be able to defend that and say, yes, he does and put your name on it or no, he doesn't, or I'm not sure if you can't clearly articulate and answer that we have a problem. Yeah. The one that I love, and, and you've probably come across this a ton being on the West coast is um, the Seahawks like have to 
answer the question like adversity. You know, what adversity has he faced in his life? What's the hardest thing you've dealt with? Because yeah. once you ask that and they answer it, you know, it could be something insignificant maybe to another person, but to them it was a adversity and you can hear their kind of thought process and how they got through it. Um, that's one for me that has really, really been huge, you know, for our process. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. And he was responding to those things and unfavorable circumstances. I think it's huge just to know how they're going to do it because shoot in fo- football, you're going to face it all the time. It's not going to always go your way. Yeah. And, you know, kind of going right off of that with, with Nishan, right. And, and his recruitment, you guys got him late. Um, and the, the difference between those two, um, Nishan was a qualifier, correct? Yep. And so obviously he was able to get out. Now he, he had more years of eligibility than his brother Rajon, who had to finish his associates. So I, I guess kind of talk through, you know, what you learned going through the process of getting both of those guys. And, you know, one, how did y'all land them? But um, two, just kind of like walk us through what that timeline even looked like from finding the player to getting them on campus. Yeah, so the, we, we identified a couple different people in the Bay Area, and ironically, one was a cousin and one, they were both cousins. Um, he was not a qualifier, so obviously we couldn't have taken him. And then Shawnee was the other person we identified. Uh, so when we started talking to Shawnee, we got him up here on an official visit turnaround time. He committed pretty quickly um, on that weekend. Long kid, 6'4", looks, doesn't look like he's 190, but he is. Um, you know, I can't remember if he's stick or pull the nickname that Beam gave him, but he's one of the nicknames. I think uh, he's stick and the other one's pull. That, that, I think that's right. He, but he's just a great kid. And the amount of adversity, I mean, you talk about the adversity he, that kid went through. Um, there's not much of a worse story that you can probably overcome. Um, and even with his mom too, great, great people. Mom and grandfather came on the official visit with him. Um, and then Oklahoma came in and Oklahoma was trying to pry him away right at the last second, we're getting ready to start our summer term that next Monday. And it was, you know, just kind of, he was kind of going back and forth and lucky enough, he showed up for class and was here. And um, he's been a great kid and he's pretty even keeled where Ray has more edge to him. And so the next year, as we're going into it, um, Ray didn't want to go to school in the beginning with his brother. And he made that pretty clear on an evident our last chance year. we had Alton Julian, who we signed as well, is their cousin. He played at College of San Mateo. They're all from East Palo Alto. So when Alton committed in October, it became really like a family, a family decision. And you know, mom and grandpa didn't want to go to different different games on Saturdays or split time. And I mean, that's kind of how Ray fell into it. And obviously, we're happy to have all three of those guys. And um, they're, they're good kids. Ray's got some edge to him, which is good. What you saw in Last Chance U is who he is. He probably even took a little bit off uh, for the cameras. Um, but that's, you know, he is what he is. He's competitive. He's fiery. Uh, love the kid to death. Shawnee is the more even-keeled one for sure. Um, but they're both great, great individuals, and I'm excited to watch them get on the field. I mean, like, to me, you need that kind of edge and that cockiness on that island because of all the positions in football that's the number one most uh, individual yeah. an individual mindset rather you know what I mean when I when I watched last chance you because I, I saw him that day before before it came out and I was like hey how long is it going to take me to FaceTime you before you say something on here he's like I don't know 10 minutes oh, I FaceTime him in the first like 45 seconds when he told me <laughs> Google me I was like, you really told the ref to Google you? Are you serious? <laughs> so, but that's just every, kind of... Every, every, yeah, everybody on Twitter is giving a hard time for, oh, I got six offers or whatever it was. For the for the recruits out there that are trying to decide, like, hey, what should I do in this process? Like, um, how do you view, you know, making these decisions for, you know, whether that's choosing to go JUCO route as a qualifier to try to get better offers or choosing to jump in the portal? Like, you know, it's it's obviously nobody wants to, you know, go to multiple colleges and, and make, have to make that decision. But, um, you know, I guess what advice would you have for people that are kind of going through that and, and getting to that decision? I think my first piece of advice would be don't be greedy, no matter what, like if you're playing a level of college football, just kind of be happy. And if you're NFL, if your goal is to get to the league, like the league's going to find you, right. Which is someone's goal, but, you know, just be comfortable with being what fits you. 
you know, just because it's the biggest school out there might not necessarily mean it's the best fit for you. Um, you know, socially, athletically, and academically. And if it checks the box in those three areas, that's a great fit and probably a place you can grow into, you know, a, a great contributor to society and a great, you know, young man and, and you know, learn how to keep them running your life and contributing to their society in that way. Um, but I think too many times people look at it like, ooh, this has the brightest stuff. This has the, you know, the best winning tradition. A bunch of stuff that really doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, we talk about it all the time with guys who are recruiting. It's about the people in the building, right? Because no one talks about football. Football's hard. Football kicks you, kicks you in the in the balls every day, you know. And there's days where you want to quit. Everyone's gone through those days. But at the end of the day, it's the people and your teammates and your coaches that get you through that, you know, that pull you out of that mud and reach you up. Uh, and so I think so many times when people make decisions for the wrong reasons and not for the people, they realize like. This isn't how it was during the recruiting process. It's the old joke of the official visit joke between heaven and hell, right? You know, guy passes away. You heard that joke? I have. I have. Guy, guy passes away and he's got, you know, he goes on an official visit to heaven. So he's at St. Peter's Gate. He's with God. God's showing him around the building. And he's like, yeah, you know, we have this. There's just angels on harps. You know, people kind of relax. Not a whole bunch going on. Um, and God goes, okay, you know, you have an opportunity to take an official visit to hell. And he goes, okay, I, God, I think I want to take my official visit to hell. All right, uh, go here. Devil will pick you up. He goes down to hell. There's gambling clubs, everything. It's this whole scene down there. He's like, man, this is awesome. A bunch of sports games going on. God, you know, everything that you could want, right? Just fun. He goes and meets with God and he's, you know, God, you know, I think I've made my decision. I think I'm going to you know, spend the rest of eternity in hell. God's like, you're sure you, you don't have an opportunity to go back. And he's like, yeah, you know, I saw it down there, loved it. Best 48 hours ever. Goes down to hell, it's just burning misery. Devil, where, where's all the fun, the games, you know, the gambling, everything like that? Haven't you ever been on an official visit, son? Wow. You know, I think so many times people get wrapped up in Hollywood, the bright lights and all that stuff, the stuff that's not real. But the people aren't going to change, right? And so making their decision for the right reasons and the right people of who you're going to spend next four to five years. And at the end of the day, take those, take football out of it. Can you live in that area? Would you go to school there anyway? That's how I would approach it and explain to approach it to anyone. Cause I don't think like it matters necessarily what level of football you're playing. It matters what fits you and only, you know, what's going to fit you to the best. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's a level of football for everyone. It's a matter of whether or not you're willing to accept it. Yep. Um, that, that was awesome. Um, as far as like parents that, that are going through this process with their kids and, and they're, you know, they're getting recruited and getting hit up constantly. Um, what advice would you have for them as they, you know, really are trying to be there for their kid and, and, you know, guide them, but also allow them to kind of make that first decision of being the young man. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, I, I think, lean on your trusted advisors, the people who are in your life, right? And there's so many people that are hitting you up and so many people that come with their hand out, like, hey, I can advise you through the process, through the wrong reasons. Uh, and we've all been around. There's also some really good people out there that are doing that out of the goodness of their heart that are really good at that. Uh, but just lean on your kind of circle of trust and making those decisions and keeping that circle small a little bit too. Uh, people who are involved and people who have invested, not just for one that individual may be in high school or junior college, but, you know, middle school and those things, and, you know, has a vested relationship in that person's life. And that way they know the person a little bit better, right? A lot of times it's not making, again, we talked about the decision, making it for the right reasons. The more and more you know that person, he, you might be able to help that, you know, that that young man, or uh, should we ever get in a situation for division one for the young lady to make a decision to the best, what fits them. So I think the more you can understand a person, the more you can guide them to the correct the correct decision. So then last question I have for you, or I guess word of advice for high school coaches, you know, advising their student athletes. Cause you know, for this year in particular, we've lost spring evals, we've lost summer camps and you're potentially losing the chance to go see places physically. I mean, where everything's really been virtual kind of what you said earlier about, you know, it's not the place, it's not the building, it's not the, you know, brick and mortar, it's the people that are within it that are going to guide, you know, be there for you. Um, I think that's so critical, especially now um, that we have a chance to really
dig deeper on the relationship side, but what advice did you have for coaches there? They're trying to help their, their players out because, you know, people are committing right and left and locking up spots, quote unquote. Um, what advice do you have there? Yeah, we have, uh, I, the, whole, the piece of advice I would give is be cautious of the musical chairs. Right. So many times people rack up all these officer offers and you even saw it, you know, when people send out written offers, right. I didn't get a written offer from this place and you know, what's real and what's not. And that scholarship though was offered in good faith. Then it's all attributed to if we're full. Right. And so, you know, if they, if that person likes a place and coaches are advising, you may like that place, feel comfortable, you know, pull the trigger because that spot's not going to be there. And I think there's going to be, there's a lot more early commitments before the start of the senior year than we've ever seen. I think if it ever opens up, I think there'll be more decommitments than any time we've ever seen as well. Um, I think everyone kind of feels the same way. Uh, that would just be my advice that right now, if you have something that you feel strongly about, I would take it. That way you guarantee that you have a spot. Yeah. Dude, thank you again for, for taking the time out of your day. I see the, yeah. the board right behind you and, in the office. I finally got back into my office last week. So it was a, it was a good feeling. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can get back to some normalcy, but for our listeners out there that, um, that are listening, uh, you know, where can we follow you on social media and Twitter and all that? Yeah. Twitter, you know, uh, do Twitter for recruiting, uh, D-Ray 22. Uh, so D-Y-R-A-Y 22. And then, uh, or I'm under the list of the Oregon state football account. So appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. Uh, let me know when you know whenever you want to do it again. Shoot, I have a lot of good, a lot of fun on this. Absolutely, man. Thanks again, and um, best of luck this fall. All right, take care. You too. We'll talk soon.